Hey everyone, welcome to Punkcast. My name is William Maxwell. I'm a student of Web3 and the owner of Punk9527. CryptoPunks are 10,000 uniquely generated characters stored permanently on the Ethereum blockchain. No punk is the same. This is a show dedicated to celebrating the punks behind the punk. My hope for this podcast is that we capture the essence of the punk culture, elevate the brand and the individual behind the punk. One last thing. Projects discussed on the show is not financial advice. Crypto and NFTs are a volatile and risky asset class. Please always do your own research. Other than that, let's go. Hi, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of Punkcast. Today, we're back with Punk2977. She's got three attributes, straight dark hair, hot lipstick, and the punkish clown green eyes. In real life, she's an entrepreneur and founder of Asian, an NFT collection of beautiful Asian women celebrating Asian culture. Please welcome the lovely Asian mum to the show. Asian mum, how are you? Hi, hello. Thanks, Max. Thanks for you know having me. Really excited to be here. No, excited to have you on. Um, it was nice sort of uh, connecting with you at Punk's Brunch. And uh, and I think Zaf um, was, was telling me that you're a bit of a, a celebrity. So uh, it'd be good to unpack some of that story. <laughs> no, I'm not. I'm not. <laughs> Zab is a celebrity. She is a celebrity. Like I, every every conference I go to, she's always there. Yeah, so she is the real celebrity. Yeah, she's a, she's she's a yeah she's she's lovely. Um, yeah, just she's everywhere. She's doing speaking engagements, and um, yeah, she's got uh, quite the profile, uh, especially here in Asia. Anyway, but um, all right, may, maybe we can just start off with your handle, Asian Mum, spelt with an eight. How did you come up with that handle? What's the story behind that? This is really interesting. Yeah, so. I actually have my own NFT project called Aitchin and how that started is because um, three years ago when I was in the space, there isn't any women, Asian women representation. And I was like, you know, I'm just going to be the first. So as an Asian woman myself, I wanted to have an Asian woman NFT. And uh, we were thinking of the names, um, you know, my co-founder and I, we were thinking like, hey, you know, what should we call it? And then we wanted something generic at the same time. There's like a twist to it. So we really wanted to use the word Asian, but not, you know, literally, you know, just spelling it A-S-I-A-N. And then we said, hey, what if we replace the A with an eight? Because in the Asian culture, eight, it's like a good, like everybody just, just loves the number eight. It's like, yeah, uh, it's a lucky number. And if you turn it, you know, um, clockwise, it's actually an, an infinity sign, which is good as well. So we said, you know what, let's just call it Asian. And then because I'm a mom with two kids. So I was like, yeah, that makes sense. Asian mom. So that's me. <laughs> <laughs> ah, nice. Why, um, why do you think there's not a lot of, first off, Asian in the space, Asians in the NFT space and, and two women in the space? This is a really good question. So when I was in a space two years ago, um, I was actually in a few projects, you know, I'm not going to mention which project, but it's like a cute animal PFP projects. And uh, when I was trying to get along with the community back then on Discord, I, you know, I was introducing myself. I said, hey, my name is Nicole. I'm from Malaysia. And, you know, surprisingly enough, um, I was actually kind of bullied and being called out. Uh, because back then, three years ago, if you guys are in the space, you know that in Discord, all of the chat that you guys are talking about is usually like beer, poker, girls, cars, you know, like all that kind of stuff, right? 
so then they then people started saying that oh this is not a you know place for girls right and back then it was really male dominated i would say 99% of them are guys you know the there, there are definitely girls inside, but the girls are probably just hiding. And I was the one that said, hey, you know, I'm Nicole here, you know. And then it was really funny because um, the members started tagging the moderator and be like, kick her out, kick her out. And then it was like a chain message where everyone started chanting, wow. like, like, kick her out, kick her out. So then, you know, there is a saying where it says that if you're not invited to a table, you create your own table. So as an Asian woman, that's what I did. And... um that's how that's how Asian was created. I don't know how to code. I can't draw. You know, I don't have any, you know, talents. Um, but I just managed to just gather up a team and just launch this. Um, so at first, I it was just kind of like a side hobby thing because I wanted to have an NFT that I could use and I could be proud of. Um, and when we launched on December two thousand twenty. Um, we actually sold out two weeks after. So then that's what happened. Yeah, that's what happened. And then ever since, you know, we have been building the brand, building the IP, doing a lot of B2B collaborations. Um, So yeah, I do think, why is there not enough women in the space? I think it's because um, back then NFTs are kind of, it's, it's kind of like an investment thing where people are in not for the art, but to make money. And um, if you look at in, in, in a general perspective, men are usually tend to take more risk. You know, for us women, we would really just, you know, observe and then we would probably be more, you know, cautious with our investments. And guys are just like, you know, like invisible rock, take my money. You know, it's like... <laughs> I could I could say that actually. Yeah, so I, I think I think that is yeah I think that is probably the reason why guys don't really think that much. They just probably just be like, yeah, you know, this invisible rock. I want to do it. FOMO. Let me let me buy it. Right. Oh yeah. That that's interesting. I think uh, I think you make a good point. I think when you know crypto started, I mean, we were just mostly into Bitcoin and altcoins, fungible tokens. But I think when we're starting to transition to NFTs, it's a little bit more about art and culture, right? So hopefully, it becomes a bit more appealing for for more women to sort of join the space and you know and I, and I love sort of talking to punks um female punks because they're sort of starting to pop up and appear and I've had I think the last couple episodes were all female punks as well right so I'd love to sort of uh, I love that, get that uh, yeah exactly I'd love, love to get that There'll be a bit more representation from uh, from the female crew well w- welcome to the show Nicole I guess um Maybe you could sort of start us uh, off with, I guess, your 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 background, your story. Uh, I just had a look at your website, and I'm just going to pick up a quote. Maybe we could start there because I find this really super fascinating because I can totally relate. Your quote was, growing up, I was taught about the culture but was never proud of my identity and never had an interest to learn the Chinese language. I idolized the Western way of life and unknowingly had forgotten about my own heritage. So could you elaborate on, I guess, the context of that and, and help us understand your personal journey, um, everything sort of leading up to and before crypto? Yeah, so I guess growing up, uh, my family is really traditional. Um, so both of my parents are um, descendants of like the Chinese, like they're, they're, from, they're from China, but they are Malaysian. So then, um, you know, they're really traditional. And, um, you know, growing up, they always, 
taught me that oh you know you need to learn how to speak mandarin you should only eat chinese food you know all that kind of things and um as as a kid i've always been really rebellious and i grew up watching like spongebob and like gossip girl you know like family guy right and i always wanted to kind of leave leave that american lifestyle for me um so growing up i've i've always you know been a bit of a rebel like and that's why i decided until today i can't read mandarin you know like i'm i'm learning with, with with my daughter my daughter is six years old and i'm actually kind of like learning mandarin um at her level so then um so that's that's my story right but then growing up i've always had like an identity crisis because i look like an asian girl but i don't want to behave like one um, that's until when I had my daughter. So I, so I became a mom at 19 and that's when, um, you know, one day I, I told my daughter, you know, she has a Chinese name. So I was, so I was telling her that and she said, I don't want a Chinese name. And that is where it kind of struck me. It's like, holy shit. It's like, you know, if she's not proud of her name, I feel that, you know, she might even lose her identity. Right. And that's when I told myself that we need to be proud of who we are. Um, so that's when I really, you know, picked up all the Chinese traditions, cultures, and really looked into my heritage and everything. And and as an adult, that that is really fascinating for me, you know, because growing up, I always tried to like, I don't want to know anything about it. Don't tell me anything about it because it's lame, right? And you know the, and you know the Asian um, Chiang Sam, which is the traditional costume, you know, um, the tipao. I never wanted to wear it. I always think that is the most hideous thing for me last time. And now I have like all the colors that I have in my wardrobe and I would wear like every time when, whenever I have a chance to wear it. And I'm so proud to wear it. And that's why like I have, I have this as my profile picture and I always rep- like represent this NFT because I'm so proud of this. And I think that she is just so beautiful and elegant. And, um, yeah, that's, that's basically how the story is. And I do think that it's really important for the generations to come, especially with like Web3 NFTs where, you know, you could be in this virtual world and you could be anything and everyone and anything, right? I do think that it's also important to remember where we are from and also to have the representation um, if we are going to be in this digital world. Right. So I think it's really beautiful to bring something so old school tradition into something that is so new and to a world that does not exist. Um, and, yeah, you know, if, if, if the metaverse is the future and if this is where the world that my kids will be in, I want to make sure that my my culture and her heritage will be there for them, with them. Yeah. Yeah, I think uh, carrying over culture and tradition um, super important as you sort of get older, and I think you take a uh, a greater appreciation for it um, even more so as we sort of age, right? I think we take a lot of things for granted as we're sort of growing up with our families around the tradition. Um, where, where did you grow up? Where, where where did you spend your formative years? Was that in China or was that in Malaysia? So here's a funny fun fact: is that I have yet to you know, visit China. So I've always been in Malaysia. The closest that I've been is in Hong Kong. That's where we have met. Um, but my family is from Fujian and I would love to go back just to see how it is. 
right? And um, I'm planning to get my visa done because that's a bit tricky. But I'm having to get that done and I really want to go back just to see where my ancestors are from. Yeah, but I've um, growing up, I've always been in Malaysia. And I went to school in Melbourne when I was um, 17. So I lived there for five years. And then now I'm back in Malaysia. Yeah. Nice. Well, that's something we we both have in common. Then I'm um, I'm basically in Melbourne as we speak, um, and and grew up here nice. as well. So, uh, yeah. Did did you did you like Melbourne? What did you make of Melbourne? I love Melbourne. Like I I just love it. I love the food. I love the people. Okay, I just don't like when it's during like the summer. That's when you know the flies come out and everything <laughs> is just really terrible. <laughs> but other than that, you know, I love everything else. <laughs> That's so strange. People, when they talk about or oh, have any complaints about Melbourne, it's not generally about the summer. It's always about the shitty winters that we go through. But, um, but yeah, okay, I'll, I'll take I'll take your word on the summer. <laughs> and, and so, what what were you studying in Melbourne? Oh, so I had a business administration degree. Yes, I growing up, I wasn't a really studious person. That's that's why that's why a lot of people actually do ask me to say like Nicole, like you having a BA. You know, why, how did you end up in such a tech space? I'm just like, I honestly don't know. (laughs) Why did you choose business? Like, was that something you were pushed into or uh, something you were interested in? So here's, here's a story because my family is really traditional, right? Growing up, my mom always told me and said that, you know, girls don't need a higher education. You know, she, she always, she always told me, she said that once you, once you turn 18, you will get a guy and you probably get someone that works in a bank. This is, this is her, this is her idea on, on, on a happy life. Right. So once, once you turn 18, you marry a guy that probably works in a bank and you would live a happy life. Right. So growing up, I always told myself, I said that I want to have a degree, you know, because that is something that I never thought that I would have a chance to do it. So growing up, um, my parents were separated when I was 17. So I was with my dad. Um, and then shortly after, he passed on when, when I was 17. And that's when my life, it's okay, thank you. So that's when my life just kind of crumbled when I was 17. Um, and oh, before that, before that. So when I was 16, 11 years ago, I'm 27 this year. So when I was 16 years old, I was playing a lot of Maple Story. And I was, you know, I, I live a really normal life, right? Um, like I have pocket money to go to school. And then I was playing Maple Story a lot when I was 16. So I would save all my all my pocket money to buy a cash, which is the game points um, in the game. So one day I saw an article on Yahoo. It says the future of currency dot dot Bitcoin. So at the at the, at the age of 16, I don't know what just hit me, but I just cashed out everything that I had at that point and I bought Bitcoin. That's that's how I managed to even um, enter the space is 11 years ago. So back then I, did, I didn't have much. You know, I probably had like 2,000 USD, which is my whole network. But at, for a 16-year-old to have 2,000, it's, it's a lot. You know, that's like my whole yeah, life savings. <laughs> so I bought Bitcoin at that point. And at that time, the price was like fluctuating. It was like $80 to $130. And then sometimes it's $200 because every day it just goes up and down. 
Um, and this was in 2013. So then later on, I just forgot about it. I kept it there. Da, da, da. And then um, so once I finished my high school, I wanted to um, further my studies to have a degree. Right. So back then I didn't I don't even know what what will I be studying. I just tell myself I just want a degree. As long as I have a degree, I think to me that is something that is an achievement already. So then, of course, I was arguing with my mom. You know, I was asking her to give me money to go to school. And of course, for her, she said, no, you know, if you, if you want to go to school, you fund it yourself. So that's when I started my entrepreneurial journey as an 18-year-old. I started um, doing things online. I was selling, you know, random things online. I was, um, you know, making little bracelets. I was opening like little stores on like Instagram and stuff like that. And that's when I realized like, you know, there's no way I could fund myself to go to school selling little bracelets, right? And one day I saw another article. It says Bitcoin at its peak. And I was like, oh wait, I have this thing, right? And <laughs> that's, <laughs> that's when I went to my account. Last time I was using this uh, exchange called Verbox. They don't even exist anymore right now. They have, they've shut down. So then I was like, holy shit, I have that thing. And then I went back to the account, my Verbox account. And I was like, I could go to school now. It's like, thanks to this. And that is when I cashed out. And, I, and, and back then um, at, at 18, um, I didn't. So growing up, I, I, never went, I never managed to like go out of the country, out of Malaysia. And I always wanted to go to like a white country. <laughs> so I was like, the nearest white country is Australia. <laughs> So that's what I did. So I applied to the school in Melbourne and I got in. I got an RMIT. And then I was like, I'm going to go to like a white country, right? So that's, that's, that's where I went. So I went there and that's when I, um, you know, got my degree and I was there for five years. And the reason why, um, you know, I have been in this space is that after, after, after um, getting myself enrolled there, I actually made a promise to myself. I said that I don't know what Bitcoin is. I don't know what blockchain is, but I will dedicate my whole life to serve this industry and to grow this industry because without Bitcoin, I wouldn't be where I am today. So that's when I took my remaining funds and I opened and I was investing in a lot of um, mining um, projects. So I was mining Ethereum in Malaysia because the electricity here is cheap. And, um, you know, I, I had a friend that could that could help to manage that. So I invested in that. And that's where we did. We were actually one of like the biggest mining um, farms in Malaysia back then in 2018. Yeah, 2017 and 18. Yeah. So we were mining Ethereum and then that was doing well. And then that's when I, you know, I started to invest in a few other projects and things like that. And ever since, you know, I have always been really interested in this space. So when NFTs came about, um, I was like, oh, wow. Not only, you know, there is a thing where you could invest in coins, you could use your Ethereum to buy assets, which is to buy like little JPEGs. And then that's when I found it really interesting. And because I already have Ethereum lying down, I mean, like, you know, laying, laying, in my wallet, so I was like, okay, I'm just going to buy enough keys. Um, and that's when, you know, I started diving in this rabbit hole and 
and ever since I just couldn't get out. So I'm still here. <laughs> yeah. So that's so that's basically my whole story. What what an amazing story. And Nicole, I think uh super inspirational too. I think just going through all the things that you sort of went to and being able to support yourself and pull yourself out. I mean, that's uh that's an amazing thing. And it's even more amazing that you stumbled across Bitcoin and crypto to really help you out of it, right? This is a really true feel-good story for us all. Um, so, uh, so full credit to you. I'm sure, uh, I'm sure your parents would be proud. Um, I just saw you you're on, on on Twitter account as well. It looks like you're also in Web3 Consulting. Do you want to give us a bit of a background about that and what that is? Yeah, sure. So it's actually a really funny story because ever since I launched HN, I have been to a lot of conferences, tech conferences, you know, all that kind of events and social networking events. Um, like even there are people reaching out to me on Twitter, asking me how do I launch NFTs and everything. So in the beginning, I was really happy to help. You know, uh, most of the time they would ask me out to kind of pick my brains or jump on a Zoom call. And then weeks after weeks, I realized that I have been kind of wasting a lot, of, not like it's kind of consuming a lot of my time, just talking to people and, and giving them advice on how they could, you know, integrate Web3 into their businesses. And one day, actually, um, my team member actually told me, she said, Nicole, you know what? Like, you need to stop giving out your time like that. You need to start charging. This is a consulting session, right? And I Back then, I was like, no way, you know, like, I'm like, who am I to, to be charging like consultation fees and everything else? And he's like, no, Nicole, like, you can't be, you know, spending your time just giving out people advice and pick their brains and then or like to, to, I mean, for them to pick my brains and everything. And sometimes the call, you know, would even end up to like four hours of my time, right? And of course, time is valuable. And then that's when I took his advice and I was like, sure, let's do that. And then we just built like a simple website. It's called 8consultant.io. And, you know, there is this service tab, right? Where it's, you know, if you click on services, there is there is two services. One is a free consultation where it's like a 15-minute call or something. The second one is an hour call. And my rate is at 350 USD. So at, at that time, you know, how did we even manage to have this, you know, came to this rate is because uh, back then it was, it was the market rate based on my team member. And he was the one that actually set up this whole thing up. And at first I was like, nobody's going to pay for that to talk to me for an hour, you know. And later on, it just kind of worked out. Every time when people, you know, want to pick my brain, want to talk to me about things, I would just send them this link and be like, hey, you know, you want you want to connect with me? You know, let's just jump on a call. And then most of them, a lot of them would, would get offended, right? They would say that, hey, you know, you're not worth that much, you know, da, da, da. But this is great uh, because it kind of weeds out the people that would waste your time. Because if your business is so is important to you and you really want to scale into Web3 and this could be the next big revenue thing for your company, what is 350 for your company, right? So then, you know, it's been two years since I was, you know, I, I started doing this. And um, I would say that it turned out really well. And the reason why I'm sharing is because I feel that for us, you know, most of us, we live and breathe NFTs and Web3. We don't know that we could actually be consultants to brands, to people that don't know anything about it. Like every morning I wake up, the, the first thing I look at is, is CoinMarketCap or else it's my Binance, right? And that is us living and breathing NFT all the time. So this could be a skill set, you know, this could be you know, information, valuable information that Web2 people wouldn't know. 
And the reason why I'm sharing is because, you know, this could be a different revenue stream for all of us, you know, regardless of where you are. There are so many thousands and thousands of companies outside and you could use that as a side income because we know that this space is brutal, right? <laughs> this space is brutal for us and everybody of us, you know, we have bills to pay, you know, like for me, I have two kids and he sent them to school and everything else. And um, I would say that on the side, other than building Asian, um, this is kind of like a side thing that I do. Um, and it's great because I also managed to meet amazing people, like companies and brands, you know, like Vogue Singapore and all these like billion dollar brands. Yeah, nice. Well, uh, I think uh, hopefully when the bull market comes back, um, you know, they can uh, start hitting up for a lot more consulting services. And I do think it will come. So uh, probably a good time to be well positioned for some consulting services. So good luck on that. Yeah, looking forward to uh, what sort of uh, consulting comes up. Maybe Steve Aoki comes back and uh, hits you up for uh, some of his collections. <laughs> Yeah, maybe. You'll never know. <laughs> so what was your first NFT though? Like, do you remember what that was? So my first NFT was actually Pudgy Penguin. Oh, wow. They're still around. Yes. <laughs> They're doing no, quite my well. wallet. Yeah, and but my wallet got drained. So actually my wallet got drained oh. six times. Six times. You know, the last time the links are just everywhere. And for me, I just like to click all the links, you know. I'm like, well, no mint. You know, gotta, gotta be quick. And then just got drained. But yeah, my first... NFT was Paji Penguin, um, and I loved. When was when was that? I think 2021. 2021. Uh, yeah, I think 2021. Like, yeah, 2021. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Right. 2021. Yeah. 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 Oh, sorry. So I actually launched my NFT in 2021 December. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. 2021. Okay. Nice. Yes. Yep. So that was um, still in the peak, peak sort of NFT market. 2021 was a good year, right? Everything was sort of pumping um up until maybe early 22 when when everything sort of went pear-shaped but um so you got in at a good time all right and um so so you spoke about the inspiration for creating asian as nft can you tell us a little bit more about the project itself what it is and and what you what you sort of aim to do with it yeah so initially the whole idea is just to represent asian women in the space and actually for our project, I, I managed to get a lot of women into the space. So I hear a lot of feedback. They say that, you know what, like the reason why I'm into NFTs is because I saw your, saw your project and your project was the reason why I, I got into NFTs. And, you know, it makes a lot of sense to me because back then when I was trying to buy an NFT, um, you know, back then it was like all like, you know, the mecha hits area where everything is robotic, laser eyes and just animals and whatnot right and it was really hard for me to be spending like thousands of thousands of dollars on this thing right so for Asian I think it was really good because I not only I was able to onboard a lot of women in this space I was able to represent them as well and for some and for them to be proud and like a proud hold, holder of the project so after selling out um we were like kind of trending on OpenSea and everything. And then we also got um, Steve Aoki as the largest holder of Asian. <laughs> um, so, so yeah, he actually bought the highest sale as well. Back then, I think it was 11 ETH when ETH was close to like 4,000. So he bought one of our rarest oh, keys wow. and then he connected with us. And then that, at that time, I tell you, I was like starstruck. 
you know, he actually DMs <laughs> us and be like, hey, good project. Would love to connect. Here's my WhatsApp. And then my team was like, that's a scam. It's a scam. He has been hacked. And I was like, wait, why don't you try? You add him and then you'll see. So my team added him on WhatsApp. And then and then and then he's like, yo, it's 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 um, you know, it's it's, it's Steve here, da da da. And then so happened uh he was having a show in Melbourne three months after. And then my team, uh, we have three three team member of Asian, they are in Melbourne as well. So they managed to meet him like backstage for his concert. So it's really cool. So yeah, he was legit, you know, he's real. Um, but you know, that's, ever that's since. So awesome. <laughs> yeah. So, so, um, so maybe um, just, just for those that, um, I'm sure most know who Steve Aoki is, but for those that don't, he's a um, pretty prominent DJ. So uh, look him up. Um, but he's also known as the guy that marks the top signal. So as soon as Steve Aoki buys your NFT, that's probably when <laughs> you should be exiting. <laughs> that that but, uh, meme is so funny. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So that's awesome. So you went to went to Steve Aoki's concert in Melbourne. And then what what happened next? Yeah. So then, you know, that is that is where our project was was kind of uh, being seen around. And it was really exciting because not only that, we will manage to connect with a lot of other influential um, entrepreneurs as well. You know, like Randy Zuckerberg, she was our advisor. And then uh, later on, Matt Higgins from Shark Tank also bought one of our rarest piece. So he, I think he dropped like 10 E on our Jade Lady Goddesses. Um, so that was such a good era for us you know we were all celebrating and everything else but for me as a as a project founder I was thinking like what's next for the project right and back then I saw that body had a collaboration with Adidas and I told myself I said that if there is one big brand the largest brand that I would want to work with you know it would be Uniqlo for clothing and that's when you know I delegated part of the fund to actually build a team. So we had a team um, of people and what they do is they basically just do like decks and they just go to LinkedIn and then they just, you know, just blast out and try to reach out to Uniqlo. And a few months later, we managed to to secure a partnership with Uniqlo and we were um, selling t-shirts in the store. So we have Asian t-shirts on, on the Uniqlo shirt. And that was, you know, something that I could never imagine because Uniqlo is so big in Asia and there is no way, like, like, like if you go to the store, they only work with like, you know, Mickey Mouse, Disney or like, you know, and back then when I was talking to the team, they were literally asking me, they said that, Nicole, you don't even have a company. Why would you think that we would want to license your IP to sell, Right. Um, so that was, <laughs> so actually Uniqlo was the reason why I even incorporated my company because back then we were in web three. Why do we need a company? Right. And that is also the reason why we filed full worldwide trademark for Asian. It's because of, for that collaboration. So because of the investments that I have put in for the trademark, for the company and for, and for the people, I, I mean, for my, for my employees, I told myself that I'm going to build a brand. Just like how if you look at Mickey Mouse, you know that this is Disney. I want people to look at Asian one day and be like, this is not just an Asian girl. This is Asian NFT. And if you look at all, all my 5,000 holders, they look at an Asian NFT. They won't say that this is just a girl with 
that looks like an Asian girl. No, they know that this is Asian. So I think that this would develop further. And as long as I do more brand collaborations and kind of build products, like actual products, um, this could scale. This could be like the next IP of Asia. And if you look at um, Asian IP, other than the line characters from the messaging app, you know, the little line characters, there is actually not much Asian IP. And I feel that I want to kind of try to be that, right? And yeah, so ever since we have 20 collaborations with Asian, last month we collaborated with Charles and Keith to do a sandbox experience for them. And we have an upcoming one with um, one beauty brand as well. Um, so yeah, I think right now our business model has changed from B2C to B2B. At the end of the day, I want it to be B2C, but then I feel that for brand building, it needs to have support. I, I need to attach myself with brand names, you know, with credible brand names so that I could build the brand with, for a larger audience. Um, so yeah, that is kind of my vision. There's some, there's some alpha there for anybody listening. Um, I, I'm just, I'm just browsing, um, I guess the, the collection now, and you got some really awesome traits. I'd just be curious to, to hear like, what, what are some of your favorite traits in here? I would say definitely the lady in the Chang Sam with the, you know, the traditional Asian, Asian, uh, costume. And there is one that has like a rooster bowl on the head. I'm not sure if you know the story of the rooster bowl. Like it's a very typical no. Asian dish, dishware. It's basically just like a rooster on a white bowl. Yep. I yeah. And there's one trait where, yeah, this is, this is how it looks like. I'm going to show you. Yeah. This one here. Yep. Yep. I see it. Yep. Yeah. So we have that trait, which I think that is such an OG. Um, but yeah, I, I do think our collection, um, you know, there's, there's a lot of fun uh, traits on it. And there is, I mean, like, even, even if you are into, like, robots or cyborgs, you know, there will be some that would appeal something to you, you or, you know, <laughs> yeah, there's, there's definitely something for you. I'm looking at the one with, uh, it looks like a, a, a bear hat. Uh, it's really cute. Oh, so it's like, a, like a mascot. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's cool. It's a, yeah, it's those, a great fun those collection. Those are really and, and cute are, too. Yeah. Uh, Nicole, I had I had no idea um, that uh, the how how hyped it, it, it got caught up with in in uh, at the, the peak of the collection. I mean, having Steve Aoki and all these brand collaborations that's uh, that's a huge huge win for um, for for the collection. Um, so congratulations on that, and uh, I'm looking forward to what you sort of cook up next. Um, and, and how did you get into I guess my next question is, how did you get into CryptoPunks? Oh, this is a good question. So I've always known that CryptoPunk is like the OG of the OG. And I always told myself that I need a CryptoPunk, right? But back then, I couldn't justify myself spending so much just for a JPEG, right? Um, but I've always, at the back of my mind, I always told myself that I would enter someday when it dips. Right. And of course, when you have that men mentality, you know, you will never go in because you don't know when, when is the lowest low. Even if it's low right now, you would say that it could go lower. Right. So my trigger point, my FOMO, it's when I saw the collaboration with Tiffany and Co. 
that's when I lost it. So for me, you know, I'm a girl, so I love jewelry. I love diamonds. You know, I love anything pretty. Like just take my money. So when I saw that, I was like, "Holy shit!" It's like I need that. I need that. I just need it. So then, you know, they they basically announced that collaboration on first of August, and I bought um, my CryptoPunk on the fifth of August. So it took me five days to. To really pull myself together, pull the funds together, you know, I had to sell some of my coins, da da da, um, just for this, right? And okay, the reason why it's also because back then there was actually a lot of floor punks, right? And a lot of them are guys, like guy punks, right? And you know, for me, I always wanted to have my NFT to look like me, you know, so long hair, you know, preferably black hair. With like you know, because this is kind of like my my iconic look. I don't want something weird or like funky. So then you know, back then she was a bit pricey. You know, she's definitely not on the floor. And I was like, holy shit! It's like you know, I really needed this. Um. So yeah, you know, I just pulled the pulled the trigger and I was like, fuck it, I'm just gonna get it right now, just for the crypt like Tiffany and Co. Punk pendant. And I got it, and then I bought the Tiffany and Co. Punk pendant. And when I saw it, like when I received it, I think was, I don't know, a few months after, I, I was like in love with it. You know, I love, I just love every detail of it. <laughs> yeah, so it's so worth my money. You know, people are like, why would you spend so much on this thing? And I was like. Just look at it. Just look at how pretty it is. You know, have you seen it? I want to wait. Hold on. Let me let me show it to you. Okay, I got it here. The listeners must be like, wait, what is? Where is she going? Like, because Max and I are on video, so, so I will want to show him. Okay, so this is how it looks like. Wow, she's beautiful. I, th- I think she I did is. see her uh, at Punk's brunch as well. Yeah, it's beautiful. I, I at the time when it came out, I was just like thirty ETH. Yeah, I don't think it's worth thirty ETH, and I'd never wear it. But now that I sort of see them around, I'm thinking I should have got it. I so, I so should have got. Uh, my, my you know what is really um, interesting? Um, when I was wearing it, actually a few auction houses because I was I was going to a lot of like you know um, what's it called like like launches and whatever, and I and I was meeting this like people from like auction houses and they saw it and they're like, Nicole, if you ever want to like even lease it to just put it in, in their, in their place, they would pay me like a rental thing just to have it placed what? there. So yeah, because there's only 250 in the world. Yeah. yeah, That's you know? amazing. So yeah. So that is like, you know, side income. If, if, yeah. if I ever need, you know, <laughs> I'll be like, yeah, I'll rent it to you. It's just like how I'm renting a house or a car. <laughs> uh, that's amazing. Anybody uh, with a uh, with a pendant, a Tiffany's pendant, uh, it might be uh, extra alpha for you there. Um, that's amazing. And how, how were you thinking about traits at the time? Were you looking at any other traits besides the the straight dark hair? I wanted the clown eyes because it's just so cute. Look at that, yeah. right? <laughs> I yeah. like something simple and I like how, you know, she has like the sound eyes because I think sometimes I could be a bit goofy as well. So I think it's just so me. Um, and she's just so girly, you know, she's really girly. I love it. It's like, I will never sell. So the other day I was talking to my daughter, she's like six years old 
And I, t- I told her, I said that, you know what, you know, like next time when mommy's not here, the only thing he will inherit, because her name is Tiffany. That's like, the only thing you oh. will inherit is this. It's, it's the Tiffany and Co. <laughs> that comes with an NFT. And yeah, and probably like a few Bitcoins. That's it. Like, don't expect me to give you land or houses or cars. It's like, you know, the only thing you'll have is like digital stuff. Maybe a few lands on in like in the metaverse. I don't know, you know. Yeah, she was just looking at me weirdly. She's like, "What are you talking about, mommy?" Yeah, uh, amazing. Well, she's she is a beautiful punk, and uh, congratulations on that. And and how have you sort of found, I guess, um, the, the crypto punk community since since you've been into crypto punks? Honestly, I have just recently been invited to it thanks to you. You you actually invited <laughs> me to the community. <laughs> Yeah, I think it's because, um, you know, I've been really busy with Asian as well, you know, with all these collaborations and just really working on the brand, just trying to see how is our direction in the long term, that I don't really have a lot of time to be a part of the community. But when I was in a punk brunch and I was just connecting with other punk holders, I think that everyone in CryptoPunk are like just so cool. Like the market could be down, up or down and we're just like, yeah, chill, you know, because we have been through so much. You know, we have been through so much that that, like we don't even care anymore. And I love that because I go to other meetups um, that are that are you know smaller meetups, and the only thing they talk about is always the full price of the NFT project. And I'm like, can we talk about something else? You know, Um, (laughs) and I think you know, as as holders of CryptoPunk, we have kind of established that you know, we're here for the long run. So even if my, if my crypto fund is worthless one day, you know, like I, I'm still so happy and proud to be a part of this, you know? So we are literally making history. And I think that's what I love about the community. We're just so chill, you know? And, and if you were to look across the, the crypto punk community, do you have um, any favorite punk personalities? Oh, this is a good one. There is a lot of cool people in crypto punk. There's a lot of cool people. I would say, okay, a few celebrities that I, not kind of mini celebrities, not big celebrities that I, that I often uh, connect with is like JJ Lin, I would say. Yeah. So he's is based he, in is Singapore. Is he got a punk? Yeah, he has a punk and he has a oh, Pippin and punk pendant as well. Yeah. Oh, so cool. like we were talking about, you know, our punk pendants and that's how, you know, we just connected. Um, that was even before I know that he was famous. It was really interesting meeting people from the punk community. Um, yeah, there was just a lot. Like there's, um, you know, Kyuri from Korea. Yep. Kyuri's amazing. Yeah. Lovely. Super lovely. The Kyuri. Um, and then there's you, of course. Oops. And then there is also <laughs> this guy. I totally forgot, but I met him in the punk branch, but I have also, but I was also connected with him on Discord where he was making like the GIFs for punks. What yeah, is the name an- I told him? The, the punk animator. Yes, the he- punk animator. Oh my God. I feel that he's <laughs> just so great. Honestly, the first time when I saw the GIF and I was like, can you please make one for me? How much would it cost? He's like, it's free. I was like, wait, what? It's free? And he's like, it's free. I was like, no way. You just, you, you should charge me, you know? I would pay for this, for this customization. It's like the people that I meet is just so amazing. So when I met him in Punk Brunch, I was like, no way. And he was like, Asian mom. And I was like, no way. Yeah, he's awesome. I just love, I just love this, this uh, virtual family. Yeah. Yeah, he he's he's got he, he's got a punk pendant as well. 
So I actually went uh, with him to pick it up here in Hong Kong uh, when he was coming through. I was expecting uh, champagne and everything, but the champagne didn't come out here in Hong Kong. So we were a little bit disappointed. Oh, man. Oh, you know what? <laughs> okay, here's my story time. So when I picked it up in Malaysia, uh, it was really funny because I was in gym clothes. I was just like, you know, just just not, I, I wouldn't think they would care. And then when I when I went there, they was like, oh, you're the punk pendant. And I was like, yeah. And then, and then they started bringing the champagnes and bringing like macarons and everything. And then after that, I was like, okay, like, like, thank you. And then they said that, you know, that you're the only person in the entire country that has a punk pendant. And I was like, really? And they was like, yeah. And I was like, wow, I like that representation for my country. I'm so proud of it. <laughs> That's amazing. So there's, are you the only, are you the only punk in Malaysia? Actually, no, I think, um, I'm pretty sure there are punk. Oh, yes. So I'm in the punk community in Malaysia. Um, and there is like nine of us. Uh, nice. I'm the only girl nice. though. <laughs> nice. do, you, do you know Ethan Mage? He, um, he runs another project called Path Down. So he was at Punk's Brunch as well. Is he Malaysian? I don't think, I don't think he's Malaysian though. Is he Malaysian? I think so. Yeah. I think he's based in Malaysia. No way. I could be wrong. Really? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I would love to connect Gosh. if he's based in Malaysia. Yeah. I'll connect you. I'll connect you guys for sure. Oh, amazing. Sounds like there's uh, a lot of activity in, 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 in Malaysia too. So it's good to sort of see that there's the punks all over the world and uh, especially from Asia as well, right? Because I do definitely think that we're sort of a little bit um, uh, behind the times a little bit and catching up. But I think like it's sort of, you know, catching up a little bit in terms of Asia, in terms of NFTs, meme lands coming out. And, you know, we had Ape Fest that was just here at Hong Kong. So I think uh, starting to hopefully get on the radar uh, a little bit more and that NFTs are a bit more serious business than before. Um, all right. Uh, so um, I'm going to ask you just to summarize again, just briefly, because um, uh, I know you touched on a little bit, but um, how, how would you describe punk culture for you? I would say it's like a virtual family that I, that I would trust. Like if you're a punk holder and I see you in the punk brunch, like, I would. I don't know why, but they would already been a established trust. You know, not like not like you know where where I could just give you my eve and you wouldn't run away. But like if there is a business opportunity or even you know there's any you know thing, like I would trust you for that. You know, I I do think that we look for. I mean, we look out for for each other, although we don't know each other. And I think that is the beauty of the space because we know that for us to make it, we need to help one another. And it's the power of the community, you know? Um, and that is something that I really value um, for CryptoPunks. Yeah, and I'm really happy to be a part of it. Really happy to be a part of the family. And I just hope that there'll be more women in the space. Uh, when I was in a punk brunch, I was so excited. You know, I was talking to all of the girls that I see, the guys, not really interested, but I'm more interested with the girls <laughs> because I do think we need more girls in the space, you know? Um, so if you're a girl and you're, you're listening to this and you're thinking if you want to get a punk or not, oh my God, get it. Once you get it, then you reach out to me and then we can be like punk besties. <laughs> we, we, we need to get Zaf a punk. Uh, we need to try to convince her to get, get into one. Um, <laughs> But, but I yes, think you summarized uh, punk culture really nicely there too. And, and you're right. There's a sort of unsaid trust that's almost automatic when you meet a punk. Um, and, and I think most people are quite generous with, 
know, introductions and networks. Um, if you sort of need any help with something, they're, they're generally quite resourceful. So, um, so I think you're spot on with describing punk culture in that way. Uh, oh, another sorry. thing, I feel yeah. that um, if like because there are so many NFTs to choose from, right? And people to justify to to spend so much on a punk. I do think so. This is why I do think that whoever that owns a punk has, you know, is is basically like tasteful. You know, like you guys have definitely made the right decision that the OG will always be the OG. You know, the crypto punks is like the king of NFTs. And no matter what other people say, what other projects say is that, oh, we are better than CryptoPunk, our artwork's better. It's like nothing beats it because of 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 the of the history, you know? Um, so that's why everyone in the CryptoPunk that owns a CryptoPunk, you know, I think everyone is just amazing. Yeah. And they have good taste. <laughs> <laughs> we have good taste. And I think it's more, if you know, you know, right? If you want to control the cool kids, yes. um, buy a punk. Um, how do you feel about V1 punks? I don't have a V1 punk. Um, but isn't the reason why we have V2 is because of the V1? Because there is like a flaw in the contract. That, that was what I read about. Um, but it's, yeah, I think people do. Okay, the only thing that I, I found it really confusing is that I didn't know the difference between V1 and V2 and I recently just found out about it it was actually the background so V1 if you guys don't know V1 punks looks exactly like the punks we have today but the background is purple right whereas the V2 punks the, the punks that everyone owns I mean like the ones that we call it as crypto punks it has a blue background so then there was many times I mis- I was mistaken that a lot of people told me that they have a punk. And then when they showed me the punk, it was a pink background. Um, no, purple background, sorry. Yeah, so that's where, that's where it was a bit confusing. And then when I saw the price, I was like, wait, what? Like, it's that cheap, you know? Um, so yeah, I don't know. It's, it's a bit confusing. Are they trying to like do something about it? Like the B one punk, yeah. So, so, um, so Nicole, I think when you get a chance, because uh, I just had a look at your uh, history here on the CryptoPunks uh, website, um, so your transaction history, your your punk was actually claimed by Hemba. So Hemba was the guy that basically found the flaw and um, was basically. Uh, selling his punk, but also claiming the ETH back as well. So basically, he was getting a free punk, and so uh, and he claimed a thousand punks. I actually had him on Punkcast um, as well a few episodes ago. So if you have an opportunity, go back and listen to that because it's really fascinating around um, the V1 sort of story, and it's a pretty big part of um, I guess our CryptoPunk history. And so, and and it is a little bit contentious in the sense that. Um, s- in terms of how it might be positioned, if you were to buy a V2 punk and somebody else has got your V1 version, who actually owns the punk, right? What can you use it for and all those other bits and pieces. And so there's a whole plethora of issues that are coming out. And then there's this whole question about, well, which one was first, right? And does it really matter? And so there's a lot of, well, there's a lot of conjecture around, but I think, you know, you know, V1 punks are definitely clearly a part of a history. Um, they came from the same artists, uh, Matt and John. Um, but, uh, but yeah, so I think there's just a, and that's why I was curious to sort of see if you, you, you have a view on that and that's okay. I think, um, 
uh, you, you should maybe go back and, and have a look into it because um, it is part of our sort of journey. For me, I think it's it's one of those interesting stories where we're going to continue talking about CryptoPunks for the long term, which is a good thing because it's just, you know, any attention accrual to the collection is always going to be a positive thing. Um, but I don't ever see, um, you know, CryptoPunks being at threat or feel threatened by the V1s at all. Um, uh, what about the Ayuga acquisition? Do you have a view on... You know, I guess the, the CryptoPunk IP being owned by Yuga? I think it's great. I think it's I think it's good because at the end of the day, you know, it's the community that, that lifts up CryptoPunk and it's not because of Yuga. You know, I did not buy in CryptoCompy because Yuga bought it. Um, and I don't think, you know, as holders, we even care about it. Like even one day if it's, you know, there is a change of hands, um, as long as the community still sticks together, as long as, you know, Max, you're, you're still here, I would still be proud to be owning a CryptoPunk and to see you at another Punk's brunch, you know. Um, but in terms of the direction of it, I'm not too sure about that. But I do think that um, collaborations like um, Tiffany & Co., I don't know if it's approved by Yuga. You know, because it's it's more of like, hey, you know, like if you if you own a CryptoPunk, you could you could buy my NFT and I would customize this for you. So my whole point is, you know, one day Hermes or like, you know, even like Ferrari or Lamborghini, they could say that if you own a CryptoPunk, you know, and that is proven in the blockchain, you'll be able to have a have a customized car. And I think. You know, we don't need approval from you guys to be like, hey, you need to ask me first, you know. And I think that is the beauty of, of NFT. It's, it's open, you know, no one owns anything. Yes, the creator gets the credits um, for the artwork and everything else. But other than that, the direction of it, you know, the company does not depict that. And I think that is something that is beautiful about the space. Absolutely. And I, and I think um, I think you summarize it up really nicely there as well, Nicole. I think you know, speaking to various sort of punks and their views on Yuga, some of them are, you know, pro, some of them against. And, um, you know, I'm sort of of the view that similar to you is that, you know, punks are a finished product and, you know, I didn't, I didn't buy into punks because of Yuga. I uh, wasn't expecting anything from them. And so everything that we get is just an absolute bonus on top, right? And so, um, yeah, so I'm with you on that. And I think it's probably net, net value accretive to, to punks overall. But, um, We'll see. We'll see as uh, time goes on. Um, but um, I do Nicole... have a question for you, though. I, yeah, I know sure. that this is, this is this is an interview with me, but I have a question. So for for you, because you have probably spoke to most of the punk holders, you have went to all the punk activities, events, and everything. What is one thing that you would like to see? For like a brand collaboration, or even to see where where punks would be at, because punks has we have we have achieved quite a lot. You know, we have been to auction houses. You know, we have done like collaboration with Tiffany and Co. and all these amazing things. What is one thing that you would like to see from 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 your perspective? Like to see out of the crypto punk community in general, or or you talking about in yeah, terms or of probably Yuga? just like collaborations, or you know, from the community product placements, you know. I don't know, maybe like a movie or something. Yeah. Yeah. So like, I, I don't know, like for me, um, I, I might take a very different view. I, there's, I think when it comes to CryptoPunks, um, I'm sort of of the view that they should be a little bit um, revered in historical and elevated in a classy, classy way. And I think 
there's a fine line between that and when you commercialize something, it becomes less cool. You know, like when you're listening to, you know, when you were the first first person to sort of listen to an up and coming band and then when they go mainstream, it's changed. It's, the vibes change. It's different, you know, because like the kid down the street likes them now. It's just like, oh, okay, that was like, so 1990 or whatever it is, right? So like, it's it less feels cool. Like, yeah, that's <laughs> well, yeah. And they're like, you know, you know, I, I do I do I would I like to see crypto punks on skateboards and t-shirts and all that type of stuff? Probably not. Like for me, it's like it's a piece of artwork that has a very um, strong signal for Web three and crypto and NFTs and the values that we uphold and the leadership that we that I sort of see punks holding. Um, and I sort of find that any material mass commercialization of that sort of erodes the brand a little bit and. Um, and and not not to sort of be elitist and snobby as well. Um, that that that's not my thing. It's just you know I just want to make sure that they're sort of you know elevated and respected in in a meaningful way. Um, so like the museums that have been done, they've been quite classy. Um, the event artwork pieces have been have been a nice nice sort of classy touch. Um, but but for me personally, I think if we continue to double down and strengthen our community and network. Um, and I think we've made some really good inroads with um, the Punk Dow Punk Brunches globally that we've been hosting. Um, and those in real life meetings always add like another layer of trust. And I think when you sort of experience that and you build real connections, it becomes harder for you to sell. So indirectly for me, it's like, well, we can sort of sit here and talk about floor price, but indirectly by strengthening our community, we effectively increase the network and the floor price of our collection. Because now you're buying into a very um, high caliber network of people that are genuinely building things and doing things and looking after each other and and so providing access. And I, I I find it really amazing and wonderful. Like if I travel now, you know, I can probably hit up some punks that are around the world and we can go for lunch and coffees and brunches and dinners. And I just feel like we're long lost friends, you know. And it's weird because like you know we're hanging out on Telegram and Discord. But when we sort of meet real life, it just feels like we've we've known each other for a while. I mean, like I met Phantom Scribbler um, in in Korea, and we just we're you know catching up like old times. Like we like we've known each other for ages, and it's just this that. sort of uh, amazing sort of feeling. And I, I think like when you go through that and you experience that, um, and, and and for those punks that haven't gone to a punks brunch or a meetup, you know, try and connect with other punks because um, you, you'll start to get what I mean, and you'll start to double down on. I'm building your trust and relationships in your network. And, and if you ha if you're not in the discord and you're not in the telegrams and stuff like that, you know, please do sort of reach out and, and join those things because, you know, it, the thing about trust is it's consistency built up over time. So you just need to keep showing up on Twitter and telegram and discord and you know, build up your trust points and, um, and uh, those networks will open. And I think you'll, you'll maximize the benefit of uh, owning a crypto punk. And so for me, uh, if you, if you translate that out, you know, it's not, you know, t-shirts are cool and all those other bits and pieces, but it's those relationships, access to deals, access to networks, access to all these different wonderful experiences that you you probably wouldn't have access to anywhere else, right? And and I think that that's the intangible part that's really hard to quantify um, in terms of a simple floor price of 50th or 60th or whatever it is right now, right? So, um, so yeah, I don't know if that answers your question in a roundabout way. <laughs> um, no, it, it does. And I, and, I, and I do agree. Yeah, and I totally yeah. agree because I don't see... Crypto pounds being have having like a like a eight fast kind of thing, you know. 
And I do think that it needs to be more of like a exclusivity where, you know, events are like closed doors and it's only for the crypto punks, you know, it's only for the OG of the OG. And yeah, that's why I really enjoyed the, the punk brunch. Um, and, I, and I hope to, you know, go to more of these. Um, everyone I meet there is just so amazing. You know, everyone there are like innovators. And it's crazy because the whole room, this is, so I go to a lot of events, right? I go to like conferences and go to parties and go to event networking events. A lot of the time people will talk about what are they doing right now or like, you know, like the present. And, and only in the punks brunch, I realized everything that we're talking about is the future. It's like as if we live in the future, right? And that is so crazy to me. But at the same time, it really motivates me to do, you know, greater things you know things that people that have have never been done before it can be done and everyone in the room thinks so and i think that is something that is really amazing um and sometimes you as as an entrepreneur as a business person you know we always feel really alone in our journey especially with our vision that we want to do but talking to other people that have their own vision as well i it just kind of makes me feel that i'm not alone in this boat you know i'm not alone in this web tree world where people think that i'm crazy i'm just spending money on JPEGs and there are other people that it's crazy <laughs> like me, like you, Max, <laughs> that believes in me too. So that's why I think, you know, if you're if, if you're a punk holder, it's really important to join all these events. I totally agree with you. Yeah. And that is the true value. It's not the floor price. It's not about, you know, how much your punk is worth right now. It's the value of the people that you meet. Yeah. Well, uh, hopefully you can um, set up a, a punks brunch in Malaysia or KL soon. I'll definitely uh, fly over for that if you ever host one. Oh my god! But, uh, maybe maybe we should maybe we should do that because we have ten people in the group chat and they are all like entrepreneurs, business people. They're all like on Tatler, you know, really really amazing people. Um, and I think it would be a good one, you know. Yeah, we should. Actually, we should because I've actually never met them in real life. We're always in the group chat. We have never met. I have never met. Would love to, and and I and I did see your um your feature in in Tatler magazine too. Uh, so congratulations oh, thank on you. that. But, thank um, you. For, the, for those that are listening, uh, Tatler magazine is um uh, sort of uh, what would you sort of say? How would you describe Tatler magazine? It's it's a it's high kind profile of like a lifestyle business magazine. Yeah, yeah. It's basically for the who's who here in Asia. So uh, I think if you're if you're on Tatler, you basically you basically made it. So uh, so Asian mum has has made it. <laughs> Um, thank you thank you this is super fun chatting really love getting to know you and your story and um and obviously if you're ever in hong kong definitely hit me up i'd love to sort of catch up and uh and and grab a bite or something like that but um you know if if you could pass on a message to the next owner of your punk 2977 what would you like to say to them oh wow this is a a difficult one i don't i i don't want to say this but i hope i don't sell it um, because I'm, I'm in love with it and I have like the physical, you know, Tiffany and Co. pendant that comes with it. And my daughter's name is also Tiffany, you know, and I told her that this is, this would be something that you would inherit <laughs> next time. But if I ever sell it, I would say that she is a beautiful piece and, uh, it's because of her, I managed to be a part of the punks community and meet amazing, wonderful people. So I hope that this punk would also bring you the same luck as well and would inspire you to kind of build and be a builder um, in the space. Yeah. Amazing. 
Asian mum, uh, what an inspirational story. Um, thank you so much for joining Punkcast. Uh, any final closing comments and, uh, you know, what's the best place for people to find you? So I am reachable at Asian mom on X or on Instagram. I'm more active on Instagram. Um, and, you know, thank you so much for having me. It was lovely speaking and I hope to see you in Malaysia soon. We definitely need to have that punks meet up in Malaysia. Absolutely. Yeah, let's definitely do that. Uh, I'm always down for a brunch in Asia. Guys, that wraps up another episode of Punkcast for the week. And we'll be back next week with another amazing punk. Bye for now.